Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land of the House of Sin and where the studios stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the nation. Hello and welcome back to Headbutting by Dummies. I mean, wait, sorry, hang on. What's the show? No, we're Cricket by Dummies, aren't we? Well, cricket is headbutting, isn't it? Yeah, no. Headbutting's a part of the cricketing culture. It does seem that nowadays physical violence is way too heavily associated with cricket at the moment. Well, just English cricket at the moment. I mean, we'll forget David Warner entirely. He's an Australian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that that, that didn't happen. He didn't punch the current English happen. It was an Australian, so it doesn't really matter. But, you know, English people doing it, recent. English team is, they're all criminals. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that a great irony now? I love it. I really hope that this goes somewhere because with Ben Stokes out, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to this in a second. Anyway, before we talk about the big story that is the Johnny Bairstow headbutt, um, let's first, let's talk about some of the stuff we got on today. I mean, the ashes happened. <laughs> I love your celebrations. A- who cares about the ashes when you've got headbutting? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of a pity that it has belittled the, the whole Ashes story right now, just so we can talk about headbutting again. Yeah, but that's our show, Alex, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you are, literally opened the show with headbutting by dummies. I may have opened it with that. Um, so we're going to spend a fair bit of time talking about the Ashes tonight. It was a fantastic test at times. Uh, it was a boring test at other times. Um, we'll have all that and more. We're also going to say some uh, solid Ashes stories from the past. We, we threw in some Ashes stories last week and uh, we enjoyed the experience. So bringing you a couple more back to your sphere. And we may even talk about a little bit of club cricket later on. But first, let's talk about Johnny Bairstow. And first of all, the whole press conference today, for anyone that didn't see it. So Cameron, uh, Johnny Bairstow was accused, I believe it was last night, of uh, headbutting Cameron Bancroft by um, Fox Sports. Uh, they released a story. And it spread over the internet. And then today, Cameron Bancroft answered the accusations in a press conference. It is one of my favorite press conference ever because Cameron Bancroft is just not taking it seriously at all. Like, he's admitting that Johnny Besto headbutted him, but he's just joking around saying, oh, you know, it wasn't a big deal. And I'm sure you're going to read out some of the quotes in a second. And Steve Smith is just sitting there next to him, just giggling his head off. Yes. <laughs> like, I've never seen Steve Smith this happy. Yeah, and it was such a high-pitched giggle as well. You could swear, you know, he's like 12 <laughs> and his voice is just cracking. <laughs> no, there was some great quotes. But it's it's more the reporters for me than actually Bancroft. Like, Bancroft just dealt with what he was delivered. Yeah. Like this That's is typical bird. Bancroft dealt yeah. with what he was delivered. <laughs> yeah, he got bad fast bowling and he made <laughs> runs. No, it's just it it's his first ever press conference, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's getting questions like, could you perhaps define on a one to ten basis what happened in terms of the headbutt? <laughs> with one being it wasn't really a headbutt and ten mean it was a headbutt. <laughs> That's the best scale ever. <laughs> but it's not you don't really give a scale. I think it's like a yes or no question. <laughs> a scale's meant to be for when there's more than one response. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's a scale from one to the guy that headbutted Tony Abbott. That's what the scale is. <laughs> <laughs> but then the reporters are all 
also like, was it the top of his head into your nose? Like they're <laughs> trying to figure out exactly what happened in that particular headbutt. It's ridiculous. Look, I'm not going to lie. I understand why. When you hear headbutt in general, you don't know to think, well, did you just kind of tap heads with him or did he full blown just smack his head into his... I kind of understand where they're coming from, but Cameron Bancroft's reaction to all of this is fantastic. He's just like, no, I'm not, I'm not really interested in what you're saying. Like, it's not too big of a deal. He, you know, he just headbutted me. That's casual. That's a normal thing people do. Yeah, that's that's part of cricketing <laughs> culture, isn't it? It's, it's popular. Yeah, I do love his constant references to the fact that um, what he was expecting was, you know, a hug or a handshake, <laughs> and instead he got a headbutt. <laughs> I mean, in his defense, that's what I would be expecting <laughs> as well. I don't walk up to you, oh my gosh, that's what we're going to do next so, week. <laughs> so, going to open the show next week by headbutting the microphones. <laughs> no, as in, like, when I see you before the show next week, headbutt you. But sure, we can headbutt the microphones. I'm sure that will. I'm sure that's going to work. A, yeah, I'm sure they'll create a great sound in your, uh, in your loudspeaker. That's what you guys listen for professionalism at its finest. Yes, that's why we all came here. Anyways, ridiculous press conference like we can talk about all we want but please if you do have a spare minute or two do watch it because it's not only great for how just blunt cam bancroft's responses are but also the questions and then steve smith like at the start (laughs) the cameras zoomed in just on bancroft and then after one of his responses you can just see steve smith in the side of the shot (laughs) just like giggling his head off so the camera zooms out to get the both of them it was a quite funny it you know put a light aside on yeah it did on an interesting uh, test match. And an interesting story, which we will get back to more later. But first, it's time for the news. And in first news this week, uh, the Women's Ashes wrapped up the, during the week. Uh, we had the final T20. Um, Australia made two for 178 before England chased it down. This was a pretty thrilling game. Um, very like, enjoyable. feels like years ago It now, does. It? it does. It has literally <laughs> been five full days of cricket ago. Well, yeah. four full days and one session. Um, but no, this was one of the best T20s you'll see. Uh, for those who didn't see it, Beth Mooney comes out and makes 117 off 70. Just, Which is the just second casually. highest women's T20 score ever, I believe. Okay, I didn't hear that. But yeah, it would have to be. It'd take a lot to beat that score. Mm. No, so she comes out, makes a brilliant score. And then and then the English batsman, Wyatt, just comes back. It's like, you know what? I can do that as well. He gets 100 <laughs> off 57 and drags England to victory. And they actually did it pretty comfortably. Yeah, they had a full to over to spare. Yeah. They lost a lot of wickets to the end and look, looked extremely shaky. And there was quite a few uh, chances, uh, but Australia dropped a lot of catches. Yeah, that was the big talking point for me, was four dropped catches, I believe, and then maybe arguably a fifth, which I think was a bit harsh on Elise Villani. But... Uh, four drop chances in particular, the two from Alyssa Healy, and I would be the first to admit that I thought the wicket keeping up until this game by both uh, Alyssa Healy and um, Sarah Taylor has been incredible. Like, far surpassing a lot of the work done by not only the other women in the sport, but by the men as well. Up to the stumps, they've been really, really solid. And then to just kind of have that let down at the end by those two dropped catches from Alyssa Healy, both were sky chances that you know, she would take 99% of the time with her eyes closed. Like, these would barely phase her. And to see the drop them, it was a little bit of a disappointment and kind of reflected how the Ashes ended for me. And then the Australians started so strong. And then to just peter out at the end was... I was I was disappointed that they didn't get more out of this series when they were in, I would argue, pretty much control after that first T20. Yeah, 
Well, you could even say they were in control after the first three ODIs. And the test where England didn't really play the smartest game that they should have, it was all set up for them. And they, yeah, they did peter out a little bit. And that's a trend for them. They don't win the T20 series against England almost ever. What was this? Like the fourth or fifth T20 series loss in the Ashes against England in a row? Mm. And Australia's won the majority of the Ashes. So it's ridiculous when you think about it how... um they're still winning the Ashes despite giving up the T20s, and I'm sure it's something they'll work on before next time. Um, yeah. Um, uh, we can look back now and um, I on our predictions, and I got quite close in the end. If Australia had ended up winning that test, I would have been exactly right. But that was the only difference for me. I got everything else right. You were a little bit off. A little? A little bit off. I think you said... I can't remember what you said for each of the individual results, but I remember you saying England would win. I have to play devil's advocate. <laughs> no, that was for the men. Oh, that was um, for the men's. No, I think I said 2-1 uh, ODIs to England, 2-1 T20s to England, and Australia wins the test. No, that was what I said. And uh, you didn't tip the same as me. Oh, uh, well. Good, good anyways, to see you wrote it down and we're prepared for this. Anyways, professionalism right there. <laughs> Shall we move on to Sri Lanka versus India? The most exciting test anyone has ever seen. You've actually put down live on the notes for this. It, Alex, this ended about a week ago. <laughs> so what should have happened is it should be uh, towards the end of day four, I believe, right now. But um, that didn't happen because <laughs> instead uh, India rolled Sri Lanka for 205 on day one, then went and made six for 610 declared themselves, <laughs> and then rolled Sri Lanka for 166. Okay, Alex, <laughs> if you were going to guess... What would happen in a test match between India and Sri Lanka in India? Would this be about what you guessed? Yeah, I remember when we were talking about the uh, the tour match and um, I was like, oh, you know, Sri Lanka might give them a fight. And you're like, no, nah, they're going to get slaughtered. India's going to destroy them. And then we saw the first test and I was like, oh, yeah, this 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 will be an interesting series if it keeps going like this. This was not an interesting match. This is as one-sided as text cricket gets, really. I mean... Just an absolute destruction. Four Indians made centuries. Uh, Vijay, Kohli, Rohit Sharma, Pajara. Kohli's was a double. Like uh, Ashwin took, I believe, eight wickets for the game. Uh, yep. Jadeja got three in the first and a few more in the second. Uh, it was a complete annihilation, really. Yeah, well, if you do the maths right, Sri Lanka for the game lost 20 wickets and made 371. So they were 20 for 371, and India was 6 for 610. <laughs> so not only did they lose 14 less wickets, but they scored 239 more runs. That that just doesn't add up to competitive cricket. No, it doesn't. This is like bullying in the schoolyard now. <laughs> and to make matters worse, one of the Sri Lankan players, who his name is Dustin Shanaka, he's one of the uh, new quicks that they've got into the lineup. He's been charged with ball tampering. <laughs> so <laughs> Don't he's been think fined, it helped them much. <laughs> he's been fined seventy five percent of his match fee. So even whilst cheating, they still couldn't beat India. That's basically the conclusion we've come to. And do you know what the sad news is for Sri Lanka? What? This is going to be a recurring joke with every <laughs> Slaughterhouse series. There are still seven games to go. Oh, God, this is going to get ugly. All right, let's talk Sheffield Shield cricket because some interesting cases by, put forward. By let's, you mean you. Let, let me. I'll, I'll let you chip in with some of the things you know. Uh, let's start with the Victorian New South Wales game. Um, just let's talk Glenn Maxwell quickly, but scores. Victoria made 562 declared on uh, day two. Then rolled New South Wales for 243, and I thought that was going to be it. They were going to steamroll through them, but 
a slow going 148 before Victoria declared then meant that New South Wales were able to bat through almost four sessions, I believe, and uh, ended at eight for 256 with some of them just batting incredibly slowly towards the end of the game. Sean Abbott hit 47 off 175 balls. My favourite, of course, being Trent Copeland's 5 or 62. But the, the talking point, of course, being Glenn Maxwell's 275 in the first innings on an absolute road. Do you think this puts him into test calculations? Because we know we don't we don't think they're going to change your winning side. What would it have to take for them to drop one of them to get Maxwell back in? But who are you going to drop? Because all the inclusions, uh, Sean Marsh made a 50 in the first innings when the game was on the line. Like, we very easily could have collapsed there and had a big first innings deficit. Uh, you're not going to get rid of Bancroft. Who's just chipped in with 82 this morning. Yeah, and you're not going to get rid of Kawaja. Um, See, probably. he's the one I think is in trouble. Yeah, but I don't think you can... Or maybe even Hanscomb. You can't get rid of Glenn... Uh, you can't get rid of um, a number three and have Glenn Maxwell play there. I don't well, think Glenn, Glenn Maxwell has been batting at number three for, for Victoria, or you could send Sean Marsh to three and put Maxwell at six. Yeah, that's what Sean Marsh brings to the side, I guess. Uh, Hanscom is the one that I would be worried about, but I feel like the team looks at him as more of a long-term prospect. He's shown talent uh, a lot last season, obviously when he was playing better, so it was a lot easier for him to do that. But I think they look at him as a long-term goal. He can play spin well, so he's viable on the subcontinent and we don't have many players that can do that I don't think they'd get rid of Peter Hanscom yet he needs to have a bad series rather than a bad test fair enough um I think Usman Khawaj is an interesting one because of how vulnerable he is to spin um I think if he continually gets out for low scores at the hands of Moan Ali or if we see uh Mason Crane throughout the series then Glenn Maxwell might come into a frame for it. But right now, Sean Marsh and Cameron Bancroft are safe. Um, Steve O'Keefe was the best for New South Wales. He hit 50, not out in the first innings, and got himself uh, a couple of wickets as well. So good for him. Maybe try and justify future selection if we go with two spinners. Uh, Tasmania played South Australia in what was a very boring game. Um, this Jack- was just like Sheffield Shield this yeah, season. This was, this was classic Sheffield Shield. Um, Tasmania made 282 and 141 and then managed to keep South Australia down to 244 and 243 to get the win for them. Pretty pretty close game in the end. Um, for Tasmania, really, the star was Jackson Bird. He took five for in the first innings and three more in the second. Um, another player that's just quite on the fringe of selection but not quite there. Um, unfortunately, this is the kind of game where we just have a lot of second-rate players playing because a lot of them are now playing for Australia. Um, Ferguson scored again. He Ferguson, must, yeah. If he keeps making runs, he'll get thrown around a bit more, I would think. Yeah, definitely. Especially because he could play exactly where Hanscom plays. Yeah, I think he would bat five if he did. And in the final game, uh, which is actually live right now, yay, we can tell you about a live game. Uh, Western Australia made 414 in the first innings. Uh, Queensland then responded with 424. Uh, West Australia declared it 8 for 306. And as it stands, Queensland are 5 for 276. That is a ball-by-ball score that we can give you there. Um the, really, the big the big news out of this is a century for Mitchell Marsh on day one. He hit 141 to throw his name back into calculations um, because really in picking Glenn Maxwell, you're picking a batsman who can occasionally bowl as opposed to a, a pure all-rounder. Yep. Mitch Marsh would provide that, should we be looking for it, is a, a primarily a batsman with a decent average but who can also bowl well. Um, for I'm Queensland, not actually sure this is live. I believe the match just ended. Uh, and they were 26 runs short, Queensland. 
I, I have it still going, but I guess we'll find out later. Um, Joe Burns has made a lot of the runs for Queensland. He hit 81 in the first innings and 103 in the second innings. Not really much to say about this one, guys. Uh, the Sheffield Shield has got a lot less interesting since all of the players went off to play for Australia. Ouch. 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 I'm just going to... Let's, let's, let's end the show there. <laughs> on, on that tone, let's play Life as a Highway. <laughs> this is Life as a Highway by Rascal Flats. That was Life as a Highway by... Well, it was the Rascal Flats cover of the original. We have just discovered that um, this Queensland WA game that we were talking about before has actually got about... Five minutes left by our count. Um, there are 10 balls left in this game and Queensland need 15 to win. So we will keep you updated on that as we're going along. But Who said um, the Sheffield Shield can't be interesting? <laughs> well, they it is now. wickets as well, uh, Queensland. Yeah, they just lost one a few balls ago. So it's two basically new batsmen at the crease. It's going to be a thrilling finish. Um, you can go watch it on the Cricket Australia website if you want to. But in we need to talk Ashes. Yeah, in less thrilling news. <laughs> the Ashes has started. <laughs> in less important results. Yeah. <laughs> so let's run through the scorecard of the game first. Um, England made 302 in the first innings. And Australian side led by Pat Cummins. Bob, pretty well. Pretty happy with that. Um then Australia looked like they were in a bit of trouble for a while, collapsed to 6 for 190-odd, I believe they yes. were at one point, um, before a strong stand between Steve Smith and Pat Cummins got them to 328 before they managed to bowl England all out for 195, thanks to some great bowling from Nathan Lyon and Josh Hazelwood. And then an unbeaten David Warner and Cameron Bancroft steered Australia home at number 173 to win by 10 wickets. So we can officially say Australia is 1-0 up in the Ashes. Yeah, it's exciting. It's a good start for Australia. We don't lose at Brisbane much, though. It's ridiculous. We've never lost there. Never lost a test at the Gabba. Australia. Never yeah, lost a test. That's incredible. Like, that's just... Surely, that in all sports, that must be one of the longest home run stands. Just in terms of the fact that we just don't lose there. Um, it's obviously a fortress for us. No wonder they get the first game of the series every year. <laughs> yeah, it's get off to a good start. Um, for me, the biggest talking point is, of course, the Australian captain, Steve Smith. His 145 not out was just... Oh, it's just one of the best knocks you'll see, honestly. It was absolutely beautiful to watch. Um I have a few quotes for you that I want to read to you from um, Greg Baum, who's a, a writer for The Age, who wrote about uh, Steve Smith's innings in The Age on Saturday. Um, this is some of the things he said. Smith immediately entered his batting trance in which he seems to exist outside of time and space. Smith does not so much break the rules as turn them inside out until we have to accept that they are the new rule. I love this. This is a reference to Steve Smith's technique, highly unusual batting technique. And I think it sums him up so well, especially the second one. Where it's like we used to have this standard of what was good batting technique before. And Steve Smith has thrown that out the window. It doesn't matter anymore what your technique is. And kids are going to grow up thinking, Thinking, well, it doesn't matter what my technique is if I make runs. And Steve Smith proves that with another incredible knock. They threw everything at him, England. They threw everything they had. They bowled line and length. They bowled outside off. They bowled short. They bowled at the stumps. And they couldn't get him out. It's that simple. Yes, Steve Smith was out there for a total of 512 minutes. Wow, that's, that's over... That's eight and a half hours. Wow. So that's he was out there stuff. for over a day's worth of cricket. And probably one of the slowest innings he'll ever do in his life, but one of the toughest ones and one of the most rewarding for him. It's an Ashes test in Australia, and he's the captain its first Ashes test as captain in Australia. Yeah. He has to uh, Clark captained the last one in England, so it's his first Ashes test as captain in general. Oh, 
well, there you go. Um, and he has to set the tone, and he did it perfectly. And arguably, he's the difference in the game. I, like, I don't think that's arguable. I think he's the difference in the game. Like, Australia was against the ropes. They were 4 for 76 at some point in the first innings. He came in at 2 for 30, which is not where you want to be in the first Ashes test. And with a lot of inexperienced players below him, he needed to stand up. And that's exactly what he did. Great innings to watch. Um, I'm sad I missed more of it than I would have liked. It was arguably one of the greatest regrets of my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, up there with uh, some other... Rather large regret, regrets. Uh, just a quick side story. Um, I once watched an episode of a show called First Dates where a go- girl said that her greatest regret in life was missing out on tickets to an Ariana Grande concert. So I think yours is about comparable to that. Yeah. Missing yeah. out on a Steve Smith century. Yeah, like, obviously. Like, my pain, <laughs> the pain I have gone through, Alex, because I totally can't like, the rewatch pain. the highlights of this innings. No, 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 no. no. The same can... way you can't watch Ariana Grande videos on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was... <laughs> A great innings to watch. Um, great captain's knock is all I can say for it. I'm just going to keep saying that. Great captain's <laughs> knock. Um, yeah, and it takes his average up to 61. And I think um, in a few years' time, Steve Smith will be talked about as one of the the great batsmen of all time, of course, behind the great Don. But when we talk about that next year, he'll be up there. Now, I'd like to talk about the England bottom order because England were in a very strong position in the first innings. I believe they were four for 250. Yeah. They were four for two hundred. Four for two hundred fifty. Then I left for an hour. Came back and they were all out. Well, can you stop watching the cricket? <laughs> yeah, You're that should be the pattern in general. Um, yeah, they were four for two fifty cruising. We didn't look like we could get a wicket. It just it looked impossible. Um, the surface didn't look very good for bowling as it was, but even then, it looked impossible to get them out. And then suddenly, England lost their last six wickets for fifty six runs. <laughs> And suddenly, what could have been a 400-plus total and set up a win on that pitch became 200... No, 302, sorry. And Australia's right in the game because a 302 is just not enough to say that you're going to get a first innings lead. And then in the second innings, their bottom order collapsed yet again. So it wasn't just once, it was twice. And I know you can't expect the tail to wag, but God, when the tail wags, it's one of the most demoralising things in cricket. And it's one way that... Rather than losing a flurry of wickets and being on the back foot going into the next innings, you make 100 runs with your last four wickets and all of, the, all of a sudden the change rooms are up and about. Especially in terms of the bowler's confidence, because I think that's one thing is um, underrated is... I remember Mitchell Johnson talking about once was that whenever he went out there and made some runs, he'd always bowl better because he just felt better about himself. Um, I definitely agree with that. I think that's a classic example in the first innings for Australia was Pat Cummins. That that knock that he made of 42 was a defiant 42. It was a hard-nosed, grin-and-bear-it kind of 42. It was great to watch, but it was also just... It would have given him so much confidence and belief in the rest of the team that this was not like going to be another walkover. We weren't going to get rolled over like we did against South Africa a, a few years back. This was a a better side that was made of stronger stuff than that. And I think I totally agree. Those kind of moments in in the late order of the innings can really change the momentum of the game. Yeah, well, it just gets you in the game as a bowler. That's the thing. Like, if you're out there for one delivery and then you're out, you're just not part of the game and you're, you're focusing on the failure of your batting as such rather than going into the change rooms being like, lol, guys, I can't bat, but I just made 40 sort of thing. 
Um, and it, well, that's what I would say if I made 40. I'm sure that's not what Pat Cummins said on the weekend, but it's, it is lifting um, for the team and Australia got that lift. Uh, another interesting point of the match was England went in with four seamers and then they went in with Moen Ali as their spinner and Lyon just tore him to shreds. There was a clear class difference between the both of them. Moen Ali couldn't get anything out of the pitch. And he has come out and said after the game, or Joe Root said that his fingers sore, maybe not injured, injured, but it's sore. So he's in doubt for the next test. I presume he will play um, just because they need they need the win. Well, we'll see what happens with Jimmy Best on Ben Stokes as well because question marks over both of them appearing. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'll be curious to see with, I, I know this is something we'll talk about later, but the ineffectiveness of some of the England quicks and um, whether or not they do go with Crane over somebody like Ball um, just to give them more of a spinning edge in their lineup because Nathan Lyon was able to bowl 20 overs at one end at one point um, in a row, just over after over, just putting it in the same spot mostly over and over again. He took, in the second innings, he took Milan and uh, Stoneman uh, in almost identical deliveries, a few overs apart. Beautiful deliveries. Beautiful deliveries. Bad. And he was just allowed to put it in the same spot. And because he was bowling well, there wasn't much England could really do about it. Ali doesn't pose that threat. He's a good bowler. And if you bat um, in a dumb way to him, You'll get yourself out. And I think Kawaja showed that. But if you bat smart, there's runs to be had. He bowls full tosses every now and again for you that are absolute freebies. So maybe go for the more offensive spinner like Mason Crane and give someone who can match Nathan Lyon in that regard. Yeah, they need some wickets from spinners um, because, like we said, Usman Kawaja is vulnerable to spin and there is a few other Australian batsmen who I'm sure are vulnerable to spin and you know, that can be exposed, even in Australian conditions that aren't so good for um, spinners. Nathan Lyon does very well at the Adelaide Oval generally, so I'm sure there's there's spin to be had there. It's just whether the English can find that. Yeah, I very much remember his uh, bowling against, was it India two years ago? Um, when he bowled beautifully, just right arm over the wicket, and he was spinning it into the Indian right-handers. It was fantastic to watch. There's so much ashes to talk about that we're going to go to a song and come back and talk even more ashes, guys. Everyone get excited. Uh, first, you shall hear the Chainsmokers' Roses. You're listening to Sin 90.7 FM here, Cricket by Dummies for all your cricketing needs. Uh, we were talking before about the WA Queensland game and how Queensland needed 16 to win off the last two overs. Um, they have fallen just short in the end. They got 10 off their last two, fallen six runs short. So the game in the end is a draw. That's a very exciting game. Shame it couldn't have gotten even closer. I wonder if they were needed six off the last ball and they just did an almighty heave <laughs> in true Sheffield Shield style and missed it by about a foot. Yeah, I believe it was. There was a dot. They tried to heave it over the fence and it was a dot. Um, anyway, we were in the middle of talking about the Ashes and it's a it's a pretty enjoyable Ashes going on right now. Um, I thought one of the lighter moments from the, the Ashes was actually the wicket of Cameron Bancroft in the first innings. Not because there was anything particularly special about the wicket, unless you looked at the scorecard, that is. Because uh, when you looked at the scorecard, you saw Cameron Bancroft caught Bearstow, bold broad. I enjoyed that. The only thing I was disappointed in was the fact that Jake Ball wasn't involved. <laughs> that would have truly capped it off. No. Yeah, that was a very... I did want to see a court broad bold ball. That was I was really what I was looking forward to. But uh, in the end, it didn't happen. No. Jake Ball, he must have been like destined to be a cricketer. <laughs> he, he must have a long family history of cricketers. Otherwise, they've just like 
let the let the team down. No, see, I, I've heard that uh, not all of them are actually cricketers. I've heard that some of them are involved in this sport in England. That I, you use your feet. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, uh, foot something. Foot something. Foot something. It's it's probably an unimportant sport. <laughs> yeah, not many yeah, people yeah, yeah. Play it. I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with his name. Um, <laughs> foot Jake. Foot. No, that's not it. No. Damn it. Uh, we'll get it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> it's on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, it's it's somewhere there. Um, anyway, I think we're in the right ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. That hurts. Um, one more thing while we're on names is uh, Chris Wokes. Uh, played in this game and we uh, we might yet see the return of Ben Stokes so get excited about that uh, the other thing you should know is uh, England's backup keeper is a guy by the name of Folks so <laughs> so, so so if Johnny Bairstow by some miracle is suspended for the next game or reprimanded by England or whatever happens is we could see an England team maybe that features Stokes, Folks and Wokes no but do you know what's going to be the best thing about it if they were in a team they would be 6, 7, eight. Eight. <laughs> yeah, so that's the next thing. Is Stokes will probably about at six. Folks is the wicket keeper about at seven. Wokes about at eight. They will be six, seven, eight. Will be Stokes, and, Folks, and Wokes. And if we get a hat trick, <laughs> that Stokes out here comes Folks. Folks, did I did I get that right? It was okay. Well, he's out too. Who's the next one? Wokes. Are you serious? <laughs> this nah, must just... be a typo. Someone's messing <laughs> something, with something's him. messing with him. Is the F, W, and S key next to each other on the keyboard? S and W are very close to each other. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Wokes has just come out to bat again. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I've thought of it. It's it's a conspiracy from Ben Stokes so that he can bat multiple times. <laughs> he's actually <laughs> in the ashes. <laughs> That's not, how he's done. He's not in England. See, when Ben Stokes comes over, Chris Wokes is going to suspiciously <laughs> so get it. <laughs> but for anyone thinking that Chris Wokes is a real person, it's actually Ben Stokes in disguise. <laughs> Both all-rounders. <laughs> but Ben uh, Stokes can't it. play too well as no. Wokes. I'm getting all their first names <laughs> mixed up now. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, um, there was an actual game, despite all of the uh, all of the laughing about the game, uh, all of the laughing about the names. Um, I thought one of the that's the, the name of the game. Oh, jeez! And now we're going into Ava territory. This is a recipe for disaster. Um, let's talk about something that actually happened in the game, right? <laughs> one of the big talking points coming out of it was the short pitch bowling. Um, I heard on some of the English newspapers it was referred to as a spit in the face of Phil Hughes's memory, which I thought was way over the board, uh, way overboard, but... Um, yeah, that's something you don't really touch. But even just, like, everyone does short pitch bowling, especially in Australia when that's what you do. It's just a tactic in the game. I, I thought that was pretty pretty poor from well, them. Well, it was interesting because uh, halfway through day one, you had a few of the commentators being like, well, Australia aren't being aggressive enough. <laughs> and uh, then over in England, after we do bowl a bit more aggressive, you get these sort of headlines come up. There's no... You can't please everyone. Essentially, Australia's just got to... Obviously... No, but it was good because when Stark did um, hit Joe Root, immediately he went up to him. Like, yep. And my granddad was actually with me. My granddad was like, why is he going up to him? Because obviously my granddad's from a time where you, if you hit someone, you just walk back to the top of your mark and not really care about them. But immediately Stark comes in, Warner comes in from Gully, a few of them come in and just make sure he's okay. And they actually have a laugh with him. Um, it was really good to see um, Joe Root. You know, he was okay. But and he wasn't like, taking it personally as well. But, like, you can tell that Stark doesn't enjoy hurting him. Like, otherwise he would just walk to the top of his mark. It's just a tactic to get him out. He's paid to get Joe Root out. And he's going to do that in the most effective way he can. There's 
I, I say there's no malice, but obviously you are trying to bounce them. But the fact that he went up to him immediately was a really good sign for me. Um, it's just, it's not a purely like aggressive and cop that sort of thing. I, I, I do think that there is no malice because I'd argue that he's not trying to hurt him. He's just trying to get him out. And I think if he hurts him, then that's a byproduct of trying to get him out. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not necessarily the greatest thing ever, but um, I still think that it's definitely just a tactic. And England showed that when they used it. Their main way of getting Steve Smith out, what did they do? They just bowled short to him. They put in a gully, a fly slip, and basically no one in front of uh, the wicket on the offside and barely anyone on the leg side and just bowled short to him. Like, that was the plan. So... I, I think it was especially hypocritical by the English papers to go after it. I thought it's how the game was played and on a pitch where there's very little in it for the bowlers, except for Nathan Lyon, really. That's how they got wickets, mostly. Um, if you look, the Australian quicks were the most dominant of the bowlers, of the quicks at least. They got most of their wickets. Hazelwood took a few through bounces. Stark took most of his wickets through bounces. Um, I just, that's just how you get people out nowadays. When, when the pitches are this flat, complain to the ground staff that the pitches aren't more favourable to the bowlers. Well, if you just were good with the short ball, it's <laughs> <laughs> an interesting tactic. If you play the short ball well, then there's so much less incentive. But we saw Cook get out um, in the second innings, playing the hook shot. Stark took a really good catch at fine leg, but it was almost identical to in the last Ashes series when Mitchell Johnson came in at the Gabba and bounced Cook and Cook put it straight down uh, fine leg's throat again. Like, if you're not going to play it as well, obviously we're more likely to use it more. Um, you are professionals. You can actually practice, you know, against the short ball a lot. It's an what? interesting Practice? Concept. No! <laughs> With, well, you don't practice. You don't even put in Shh, a pre-season. I went to training last week. Once. <laughs> well, do you know what was the most disappointing thing for Australia in this test, though? And, you know, I'm sure Warner felt the wrath of his teammates. But he didn't finish this on day four. He looked at this, and this was perfectly set up for Dave Warner to go, you know what, I'm going to make a 50-ball century. I'm going to come out here and end this overnight. Like, Bancroft was obviously going to look after his wicket because he's, he's got a test spot to cement. Yeah. Like, that's kind of important. Whereas Warner... Warner could go out there and throw his wicket away sort of thing. Yeah. I was Give really, Kawatra a bat as well. Yeah, I was really looking forward to Warner coming out and ending it. Because I'm sure, I'm sure when they went into the shed that night and they saw Warner was uh, still in after a few overs so that he was set, I'm sure some of the teammates were ringing like golf courses around seeing when they can book <laughs> 18 for the next day. Like they probably even had their clubs out. <laughs> and Dave Warner has let them down. I love that you're complaining that Warner hit 87 off 119 ball at a strike rate of 73. Like, that's just some kind of inferior effort. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is Dave Warner we're talking about. This is the guy who, at the Wacker a few years ago, hit like 180 off 120 sort of thing. Yeah, it is said to before lunch. Um, when you said Dave Warner, I thought you were going to talk about the fact that you missed um, his OLED ads because I tell you, I'm missing them. Oh, uh, you're missing them? <laughs> I'm missing them. I'm missing them more than he's missing his OLED TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not missing his OLED TV whilst he's out in the middle. Clearly I not. hope. Um, we're going to be back with some Ashes story time after a bit of Natalie and Brooklier. Um, you know, because if you haven't worked out which song it's going to be, then clearly you know a lot more about Natalie and Brooklier than we do. Because <laughs> in our mind there is one song. <laughs> this is Torn. This is the English player's hearts at the moment. <laughs> that was Natalie and Brooklier, Torn. And now we are going to move on from the Ashes. I hope you all enjoyed that. It was a great first test. Yeah, it was. 
Uh, and now we're going to move on to more ashes. <laughs> I, didn't say- think, I didn't think that through, did I? <laughs> See, I was exactly... The- I thought you were going to do that as like a joke. It's like, oh, we're going to move on from the ashes and what have we got here? Oh, more ashes. But no, you just genuinely didn't realise that well, we were going to keep talking about the ashes. I was so confused why you were laughing at me. I'm like, Alex... That's rude. I'm a live radio presenter. I'm, I'm a professional. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing. And yeah, we're going to move on to Ash's story time. So when you haven't got enough in the present, drag something from the past. Exactly. Because there hasn't been enough Ashes in this show. No, exactly. We've covered the men's series, the women's series, and now we're going back in time. Great. Wait, so the only non-Ashes thing we're going to do in this entire thing is... The Shield. The Shield. And the India Sri Lanka game. But that was hardly a game of cricket. <laughs> and we briefly did talk about Ariana Grande. True. <laughs> <laughs> so that's different enough. Right, let's get through the stories. Um, my story for this week is one of my personal favourite moments in cricket history. Um, it's one that I was lucky enough to witness on television, not live, but I, I was watching it. You weren't it. watching it live. No, I was. Oh. That's what I was saying. Was I, was, I feel lucky enough. Um and that is Peter Siddle's famous hat-trick on his birthday in the 2010-11 Ashes series. This was an Ashes series that Australia didn't, didn't go too well for Australia. Um, Alistair Cook dominated the whole series. Oh, wait, hang on. Is this the right one? I'm trying to think. Yeah, Alistair Cook, yeah. Alistair Cook dominated the yeah. whole series, um, ended up making 700-plus runs, averaged 130 for anyone that doesn't think that Alistair Cook is a good batsman. Just have a look at that information. But the highlight of day one of the first test in Brisbane was Peter Siddle's fantastic hat-trick. Uh, he got rid of Alistair Cook himself for uh, 67, one of his many, many decent scores in that series, Alistair Cook. Um, nicking off to Shane Watson at slip. Now, the next batsman came out. It was Matthew Pryor. Matthew Pryor was a really good batsman at this time. He was averaging about 40 in Test cricket. Um, everybody's like, oh, Peter Siddle. This was wicket number four for him, I believe, um, at that point. Um, was, yeah, Matthew Pryor was wicket number four, and he managed to, he took out his middle stump. It was a beautiful Yorker, searing in, swung in, took out his middle stump, and suddenly everybody's like, Hang on, could Peter Siddle actually get a hat trick on his birthday? The Surely fact, not. The fact that it was his birthday was the best part for me. Is you know, it's the Ashes. You're at home. You're playing England. That's all great and everything, but it's your birthday. Like it's the best birthday present ever. It's like it's like God, the big man upstairs has got him covered. He's like, don't worry, Peter. I've got the best birthday present for you ever. <laughs> He's pulling all the strings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went into Stuart Broad's mind. And Stuart Broad came out to bat. He was the third man for the hat trick. Um, Stuart Broad, again, decent batsman. I mean, a number eight, but a decent batsman by number eight standard. Average is about 20. Um, and Peter Siddle delivers a searing Yorker right onto his toe. Stuart Broad goes upstairs and it is officially given out. LBW, that was it. Peter Siddle gets a hat-trick on his birthday. Fantastic stuff. It was great to watch. Um, and one of my favourite moments in Ashes yeah, history. Yeah, I was watching this live as well, uh, luckily enough. It's kind of cool talking about things that happened a while ago that we can say we watched live. <laughs> um, no, it was great to watch live, live. I couldn't believe he got it. I was like, surely not. Surely not. This is just too many, too many things that, you know... Sound too perfect. Yeah, it sounds yeah. too perfect to be true. It's like you've been contacted by Coles saying you've won a $500 gift card on your birthday. <laughs> it's that pop-up. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> like, oh, no, this is definitely a virus. <laughs> this is definitely going to hurt me in the long run. No, but it did. Uh, no, not as in Peter Siddle's hat-trick <laughs> did hurt me in the long run. No, it Well, it did. did they happen. went on to lose the ashes. So basically <laughs> no. what we're saying is don't get hat-tricks, people. Yeah, well, we didn't get one, so we'll probably yeah. win uh, the ashes. No, great moment. Um, 
crazy crazy scenes yet again another thing i would recommend you watch because the commentators go absolutely ballistic <laughs> rightly so i feel uh yeah a big moment for victorian cricket as well you could say uh mine's a bit older but not actually that much older i can't say i was watching this live however anyone who's an anybody know who's a cricket fan would know a bit about this it's at you somehow. You don't know this moment. I was about to say I felt like you were subtly hinting the fact that I hadn't heard of this moment, but then you overtly said it, so that kind of threw that out the window. <laughs> I'll do a bit of both. <laughs> Anyways, so I'm going to take you back to the uh, Ashes series in England in 2005, uh, the second test. So Australia held the uh, Ashes at the time, um, and we had actually won the first test. So the second test was a big one for us, and... Uh, it was looking pretty good. Uh, we came out... Uh, well, England came out, made 407, then we made 308. But then we got rid of England for 182. And all of a sudden, uh, we only have to chase, I think it's 282 to win. And, you know, that's a very gettable total, but it'll take some work. Anyways, the top order all make starts, but don't really go anywhere with it. And we end day four needing 107 runs but we've only got two wickets left. So you're thinking about it and you're like, no, this is going to get wrapped up quickly. Brett Lee and Shane Warne, two very solid batsmen uh, at the crease, and uh, you're still thinking, no. No, that's surely not going to happen. Anyways, uh, 44 runs later, we've still got two wickets left and there's 63 runs, and you can see the atmosphere in the crowd's just getting a little more dim. They're just like, no, this surely can't be happening. Michael Vaughan's starting to scratch his head uh, with his full set of hair. <laughs> Which he doesn't have anymore. Which he doesn't have anymore. I'm sure we. I'm sure Shane Warne can recommend him to a place. What's it called again? They don't do many ads. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never seen any of those ads. No. And then um, then they get the wicket. I believe they got Shane Warne. And uh, all of a sudden it's like, okay, Kasperwich is coming out. Uh, it's all good. One wicket to go. They've only... They've got 63 runs. That's heaps. Um, they're not going to do it. But England just slack off. They uh, just assume they're going to get rid of Kasperwich, who now has a double century to his name. Uh, <laughs> I believe that was after this test. But he has a double century to his name. That's that's just ridiculous enough in itself. Nice side fact. <laughs> Anyways, um, and the runs just start flowing. And they keep coming. And Brett Lee is doing what Brett Lee does best and swing and either missing or clubbing it through the leg side. And suddenly it's down to single digits. And everyone in the crowd's stunned into silence. And it's at this point that the England bowlers, you know, get, get their act together and they start bowling really, really good bowling. Uh, dig it in a bit more. Brett Lee gets hit a few times by uh, Andrew Flintoff, once on the glove and once on the way, I think on his waist. And he's wearing a few bruises for the result. I'm sure it would be worth it for the mor in the morning had they won. Um, and then there's three... There's three runs to get, and Kasperwich is on strike, and Flintoff coming in to bowl, and he bowls one of the most vicious bounces you're ever going to see, and Kasperwich, as a number 11 does, just bends out of the way, but throw, gets his bat in the way, or gets the handle in the way, I should say, because um, it's just right at his throat, and he just throws the handle at it, and it catches one of his gloves, and it pops up to the keeper, and they take it, and England wins by two runs, in what's put down as one of the greatest tests of all time just for how ridiculous it was that Australia was able to 
nearly pulled the win out, and then at the once they finally looked like they had it, they uh, lost it, and it ended up it ended up being very big in the context of the series. England won the series two one, and had Australia won that test, they would have been up two nil in a five test series, and England would have had to win the last three tests to regain the Ashes, which would have been just about unheard of at the time, unheard of with the English weather as well. No, um, and the great and after um, after the wicket, you see one of the greatest uh, film cricket um, photos of all time, where Brett Lee's just standing over his bat, just un just shocked because he's gone out there and he's made he's done absolutely everything he can. He's made forty three at number ten, which is ridiculous. And Andrew Flintoff is there consoling him. Um, I don't know if you've seen that photograph before, but it's one of the more iconic cricket ones. Uh, poor Kasperwich is also just bent over, you know, just dazed. Heartbroken. Yeah, but the the thing is, uh, it the glove of Kasperwich it hit wasn't actually on the bat handle. So technically it wouldn't have been out. And wow. had they had a review system at the time, it would have been given, had they reviewed it, it would have been given not out. Not out. That's incredible. But it would have been impossible for the umpire to give that. In the uh, moment. Because, yeah, it's literally just come off the bat because um, it's just one of those bounces at the throat where you just get your bat in the and hands in the way. So it would have been impossible to give not out. Um, but, yeah, one of the greatest tests of all time, and it could have been different in yeah, a modern game. That's a fantastic story. Um, yeah, I, I think with that, we're going we're gonna to wrap up this week. It's been a, a pretty good show. I've enjoyed your work, Lachlan Ross. Yeah, I've enjoyed yours, Alex, uh, apart from Torn. <laughs> I love how we don't even hide from like, our mistakes. We just accept them. I and tried to hide. <laughs> well, I'm sure you can cut this out if you want. Nah, you've got to own up to your mistakes. Um, thank you all for listening on this very warm Monday evening in Melbourne. This is one of the colder nights. The, the evening itself is, well, it's warm here in the studio. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Maybe that's because I feel really nervous right now. <laughs> Anyways, we look forward to seeing you all next week. Hopefully we'll have more ashes <laughs> and more ashes and more ashes. Uh, and then I'm... we'll end with some ashes, I believe, just to change it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's an interesting... Thing, that's very dangerous. <laughs> that's very far away from the it's, norm. It's like getting a four-course meal and having chicken in the entree, chicken in the main, chicken in the dessert, and then chicken in the tea. No, but, <laughs> no, the the last meal isn't actually chicken, but it tastes like chicken. It tastes like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Chuck. My name's Alex Henry. And thanks for listening. Have a good night.